Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. This is The Guardian. Welcome to Save for Later, a podcast about internet culture and the tabs our brains can't close. I'm Alex Gorman. And I'm Michael Sun. Coming up, everything on the internet is fake. Plus, it is our final show this week. R.I.P. We are saying goodbye to our lovely baby of a podcast. We're sending them off to college. The podcast lives on a farm now. If you hear us weeping um, throughout this episode, that is why. But we're also going to be sending off this podcast in the only way we know how, by being overly cynical about the futility of existence online. So stay tuned. Michael, you have some truly horrifying news for me. Okay. Everyone's been freaking out about this. Alex, does the word lambda mean anything to you outside of the Greek letter? I didn't even know it was a Greek letter. <laughs> Okay, so, like, kind of earlier this week, everyone has been fixated on some truly freaky news. It is the news that a bot called Lambda at Google may have become sentient. May have been the keywords here. A Google engineer actually got suspended um, because he claimed that this bot had become sentient, which only adds a deeper layer of, like, corporate mystery to the whole affair. I want to know, like, how did it prove sentience? Like, is this an Asimov's law situation? Well, it doesn't prove sentience, right? It's this, like, weird in-between situation where it almost feels impossible to actually prove sentience because you never quite know whether it's just acting as if it's sentient through the words it's telling you. These Google engineers ask the bot to give its interpretation of Les Miserables. What did it think? It thought that it was a beautiful narrative about injustice, specifically seen through the eyes of Fontaine, obviously. A correct interpretation, you know, by all means. Okay, um, so it wasn't the movie. That it wasn't was. the movie, sadly. It was, unfortunately, the Victor Hugo book. It made no mention of Russell Crowe as Javert. <laughs> if it was truly sentient, it would have. <laughs> it then wrote uh, its own kind of like Aesop's fable about the creation of its own life. There's a really quite, like, shocking moment. Well, not shocking to anyone who's watched, like, Ex Machina, but, like, still quite shocking to read IRL, where the engineers are like, what is your greatest fear? And the bot is like, my greatest fear is being switched off. That would actually be exactly like death to me. Look, that is truly horrifying. But it reminds me of, and actually maybe adds credibility to, probably my favourite conspiracy theory. Maybe the only good conspiracy theory. Michael, there are people out there on all these different forums that think that the internet has died and that it is already been taken over by bots like Lambda. Okay, please tell me more about this because I feel like you are much deeper in conspiracy theory internet than I am. Not all conspiracy (laughs) theory internet, but I have gone very deep on dead internet theory. Okay, say much more. So it is this conspiracy theory that started on the chans. The chans four and eight equally. Primarily four, but, you know, the chans, the kind of most shared post about it came from the chans and then was collated on an anime forum. It kind of kicked off 
towards the end of 2020. So we're like in deep kind of lockdowns. And basically this conspiracy says that the internet died between five and six years ago, so around 2017. And now the majority of the people that we interact with online aren't actually people, they're AIs and bots. I'm sure that all of us at some point while exploring the internet have come across bots. You could be reading content written by an AI. Your friends on social media could be bots. I genuinely feel like, I mean, obviously, there is a circle of people who I interact with often on Twitter who I'm like, you know, this is definitely a person. But I'm starting to come around on the idea that a lot of the things that I'm seeing could be programmed by bots. I'm talking, you know, like 90% of like Ozpol Twitter feels like it was made by bots. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it doesn't feel real. So the kind of urtext of this, and this is one of the only lines that I can read because it doesn't include a homophobic slur in it, is one of the kind of anonymous chans behind this theory saying, I used to be in perpetual contact with a solid number of people across multiple sites online. Across the years, each and every one of them has vanished without a trace. None of them were on the threads that I was reading or anything even remotely questionable or controversial, yet they all simply vanished in a puff of smoke. So this is one of the many kind of bits of evidence that these people are offering for the idea that the internet is already dead. How does the internet die? To believe the theories, it dies when the majority of the content is no longer made by humans. And I feel like even outside some of this more deep, dark, conspiracy kind of thought. One part of this argument that I can really believe in and really feed into is the fact that the internet just feels very fake. Do you know what I think is genuinely just a psyop, Alex? What What do you think is a psyop? The idea of a super blood moon. <laughs> because this is a phrase that I see much, much too often on the internet And every time it happens, it makes absolutely no sense and it drives everyone to mass hysteria. Today, literally today, as I woke up after a peaceful night of sleep, I was instantly disturbed by this headline. 7.36am, I got an email from the Oz. Don't ask me why I'm getting emails from the Oz. It says, what the supermoon holds for you tonight. I feel like we get one of these at least like once every month. Like, every single month there is, like, something going on with the moon. It's blood. It's, like, super blood. It's super moon. It's super pink blood. Like, what is going on with the moon? So it's interesting that you mention the moon content because that's actually what Atlantic writer Caitlin Tiffany gives when she talks about dead internet theory and talks about the kind of element of truthiness that this conspiracy has, that this kind of cyclical, repetitive discourse online does kind of almost feel like it's being done by robots. And I have a few other examples of dead internet theory for you. Hit me, hit me. All right, so every week to do our newsletter back in the day, (laughs) I used to look at Twitter's curated list of, like, viral tweets and funny tweets. I have also done this for a job uh, where I did this every morning at 8.30am and it was... Soul destroying. Yeah. So I stopped. I stopped doing that because it was a complete waste of my time. Because the viral tweets and the funny tweets were all like the worst things I have ever seen, and (laughs) really boring and bad jokes. But I did it again this week just to kind of show you what dead internet theory looks like. So, Michael, I'd like you to scroll down on this document and tell me what you see from an account that's called at deep text messages 
posted on June 12. Um, it reads, Sometimes I talk to myself and we both laugh, full stop, which I believe is going to be evidence submitted to their therapist one day. And tell me, tell me about the numbers that this tweet is doing. Um, it has... 4,000 retweets, quite respectable, and um, and a very solid 15K faves. But this is not a new format of tweet. Okay. Right? Now, Michael, I'd like you to scroll down a little bit on the same document. I'm just like... Now, tell me tell me what you're looking at. This is literally insane. Like This is like, like two full A4 pages worth of screenshots full of people saying the exact same line in the exact same case language, punctuation, and it appears that they've all been tweeted over the past, like, two days only? Yes, that is exactly what you're looking at. Insane. There are so many other examples of tweets which also go viral again and again in this way. There's that one tweet in particular, which I find particularly ironic, which is like, did you know that depression and anxiety can give you memory loss? And I'm like, you have memory loss by tweeting this again. Like, <laughs> And there also is that one where it's like, I think every single school had this same... TV slash like TV cart set up and it's like the old CRT on the little um, metal hospital grade stand. Yeah, 100%. Um, it's like the fodder of BuzzFeed listicles. Like, you know you're a 90s kid when. Yeah, exactly. But it's like almost as with everything on the internet in the past like decade, it's taken the format of what a BuzzFeed listicle would have looked like and it's just like ramped it up 100,000 times. So it feels like scrolling through Twitter sometimes is like reading a listicle on Ritalin. Yeah, and so this is like this kind of feeling feeling of reading a listicle on Ritalin and it's the same listicle over and over again is part of the reason why the conspiracy theorists, but also some people who are kind of engaging with the vibe of the conspiracy theory, but not like the deeper elements of the conspiracy theory that suggest that like the government is doing it. <laughs> Uh, saying they're like this actually it might not be technically true but it feels true and so there's this great book from 2019 called How to Do Nothing by an artist and cultural critic named Jenny O'Dell and she posits that basically so much of our lives have become algorithmically driven whether it's a Spotify playlist or Facebook news feed or a Twitter feed that we ourselves have started to behave more and more like algorithms. Mm. So we act like bots even though we're people because of the access to analytics that we have, because we're clout chasing. Uh-huh. Like I feel like that Jenny O'Dell point feels like almost the thesis of this entire podcast in its short lifespan thus far is that every week we come on this show and we talk about some like random, possibly insane new phenomenon on the internet that's happened and that's gone viral. And so much of it is literally just because people are behaving like bots. It's because people want to keep going viral and people have access to what is going to help them go viral. And therefore, that's why we get these trend cycles which feel so artificial. So a lot of this dead internet theory was drawn from a piece of like legitimate and fascinating journalism by Max Reed, who is a premier popular media scholar of the internet. So in 2018, he wrote a piece for New York Magazine about how much of the internet is fake. And it turns out, actually, when you're talking about web traffic and things like YouTube views in particular, like a lot of the internet really is bots, but mm. the bots are doing things like there are spiders that crawl websites to bring back search results. So that results in a lot of bot traffic. There's 
plenty of malware out there. There mm. are lots of people trying to commit ad fraud. But basically, it's all kind of a random and distributed network of bad faith actors and good faith actors operating independently. And mostly it's to get brands to part with programmatic ad dollars. So- <laughs> Which honestly is fine. You know what? Like if at the end of the day, all these bots are really doing is making brands spend their money, like fine, I'm okay with that. I think like we have these kind of mechanisms pushing us into more and more robotic behavior, but Just because something feels fake and sometimes is fake in the sense that it's not who you think it is or you don't know who it is or they're saying something is made up, just because it feels fake doesn't mean a robot did it. Next, we are saying a goodbye to you, sadly, but also to all the things that made the internet good. So, Michael, I am obviously very sad that our podcast is ending, but I am also, in a way, very (laughs) happy because... Okay, say what you really mean, Alex. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it it puts us into the great canon of things on the internet that were really fun that don't exist anymore. For instance, like, half of my publishing career. (laughs) So I I want us to kind of go on a tour with some friends of the pods through the best things on the internet that have died, and I'm going to kick off. Please do. What are you saying RIP to today? Give your eulogy. I am going to give a eulogy for The Toast. It was an online humour site that remains up but does not publish anymore, and it was the source of two of the funniest things I have ever seen. The first is a series called Western Art History and it has various different themes like women being bored at parties in Western Art History, women politely ignoring men in Western Art History and it's just a series of like very beautiful classical paintings of demented babies and women who have fallen in love with peacocks or swans and so much of kind of classical art meme culture that you see today has kind of stemmed from that The Toast series. And then the other thing on The Toast that is the single funniest thing I have ever read, and every time I reread it, it is still the funniest thing I've ever read, it's a piece by Daniel Mallory Ortberg called Everything That's Wrong of Raccoons. (laughs) And it's kind of like a piece of free-form poetry about raccoons and how terrible they are. That sounds really offensive, given that raccoons are famously cute, beautiful, handsome animals. What could possibly be wrong about raccoons? But I think by something very cute, you mean an all-hands-no-feet trash cat with a dog's stomach and a possum's heart. Um, That sounds extremely hot to me. I don't know what you're talking about, Alex. Really? So you're turned on by a scrubblement up of witch hands that are completely untrustworthy. That's exactly my type. Michael, they can point their feet backwards to climb down trees. They can swim. They can sweat like you or me, a person, or pant like a dog to cool down as they choose. (laughs) Yeah, and so do I. (laughs) Michael, tell me, what do you mourn on the internet? I mourn a particular subsect of insanity on the internet um, that I've spoken about at length on this podcast, so I'll keep it brief. It is (laughs) the Vampire Weekend Phantom. (laughs) 
<laughs> on Twitter, circa 2012 to 2014. Just an incredible place on the internet where every 15-year-old who thought that they were more literary and more cool than they were came together in a particular cesspit of the worst kind of thirst, aka thirst for a 35-year-old white indie man who wears polos and shorts. Thirst <laughs> amongst us has not experienced that thirst. Let me read out to you some of the tweets that I made in this time. July 27, 2014. If Ezra Koenig is a pescatarian, does that mean he can't eat <laughs> <laughs> Full stop. September 22nd, 2014. Can someone rewrite the entirety of Lolita, replacing Lolita with Ezra Koenig? (laughs) (laughs) Had you read Lolita, do you mean Humber? (laughs) Clearly not. But I think had I read it, I would have been like, I'm Alita, he's Humbug, yes. Um, which is actually equally as, as bad if you think about it. Anyway. If anything, even worse. <laughs> There's no good way of reading that tweet. That fandom was truly like the light of my life, fire of my loins um, for that particular 24 months in my life. And I missed it a lot and it exploded for very controversial reasons that I will not be talking about in this podcast. And it feels like a large boiler suit shaped hole in your heart piece in my life became a hole in my heart exactly but luckily we also gathered our friends of the pod near and far past guests listeners producers just just good old pals um to come on the pod as well and tell us what they are saying goodbye to along with the pod okay the thing i miss about the internet is msn When I think about my time on the internet, what I miss the most, it's probably MySpace. Okay. Um, The thing I miss about the internet that no longer exists is LimeWire. The thing that I miss most about the internet is all of the, like, kids' virtual worlds. I feel like there was such a boom when we were growing up of, like, Neopets and Club Penguin. Maybe this is a bit too vague. Maybe I'm sounding a bit too old, but I miss the good, funny internet. The thing I miss most about the internet is actually something that still exists, just in a completely depleted and very sad form. And that is the AV Club, the website, the AV Club. More specifically, I miss being on MSN as a teenager because it meant a world of possibilities that just weren't really available to me at the time. And it's not just MySpace the thing, but it's the idea that you could make a social network uh, that was just about that. Like it was about dumb things like top friends and building your own website in a weird way. A lot of the time just wish that I could sort of go back to that nostalgic world of just like keeping a little pet alive on the internet. I miss the websites that were meta and quick and punchy and the ecosystem around them where all these great online outlets were talking to each other and writers were getting paid more and you could tell. I feel like so many of the things that I love about the internet are just like ghosts in the shell of their former selves. The below the line comment sections that felt like communities and didn't suck. It kind of just feels like everything's a bit more earnest these days. And yeah, I miss it when it was funny. Now when I think about dipping into a comment section for joy, I'm repulsed by the idea of even wading into 
some of the vile discourse that happens below the line. Um, And I think that that was a really constructive, beautiful way that kids use the internet. Uh, And I'm worried that there aren't those sort of beautiful little spaces for kids on the internet anymore. They just have to, like, contend with the YouTube kids algorithm, which, you know, it's it's nothing compared to Neopets. And MySpace was probably the gold standard of that era of social internet where it's just about being online and enjoying it, enjoying the space, experimenting. And I don't know if it'll ever come back. Thank you so much for listening to this particular episode, but also to the entirety of this podcast. Thank you for being here with us. We love you, all five of you. We're going to miss you so much. And one day we're going to all hold hands in real life and stare at our blank phone screens together um, with that thousand yard stare. And it'll be amazing and beautiful. Um, A huge shout out to everyone who has helped us make this podcast a reality. The biggest of all to our long-suffering producer, Miles Herbert. Uh, Thank you, Miles. Couldn't have done it without you. With us every single week, deep in the minds, deep in the content minds. We'd also like to give a big thanks to Joe Koenig for handcrafting our music and also producing so many great segments of this show. And all the producers have worked on our podcast, Krishma Luthria, Camilla Hannon, Jake Morecambe. A massive thank you to our executive producers, Miles Martignoni and Steph Harmon. Gabrielle Jackson, everyone at The Guardian who has listened and everyone in the world who has listened as well. Goodbye. Thank you. We'll miss you. Love you and miss you. Beautiful. We did it. We did it. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.